From beyond the Adarim Holomag, I'm Lana Slock, and you're listening to Beings of the Galaxy. For someone who had no interest in going into politics, I took a surprising number of political courses while at university. If I had taken one more, I could have received a minor in political studies. But, alas, I chose a theater course instead that fell during the time of the final class I needed. Ultimately, the right decision because I love the theater, and like I just said, do not enjoy politics. What I didn't realize at the time, though, is, in its own way, politics is a form of theater, isn't it? The performances, the acting, the drama, the flair, all of it. It's all a bit theatrical. Some of the best performances I had ever seen were put on by the politicians we studied in my classes. In fact, the greatest politician, the greatest actor of them all, was able to turn the Galactic Republic into an empire. Still, the theatrics remain even in present day, and we got to witness a performance in real life during a trip to the Senate to sit in on a hearing. You have been charged with sedition this court will decide your fate. We sat at the back of the room, listening as the senators interrogated their witness. She was very confident in her answers, very well-spoken. Question after question, the senators hurled at her, but they were never able to throw her off. It was thrilling to watch, because this woman was telling her story and had others trying to tear apart her narrative. Following the hearing, our class was guided to a conference room where we debriefed the session with one of the senator's aides. While my fellow classmates asked thoughtful political studies-esque questions, I only had one. I wanted to hear more witness testimonies. I needed to hear more stories. My classmates and professors stared at me, slightly dumbfounded that I would ask such a question. But the aide smiled and said she'd promised to share some hollows with me if she was able to clear them through security. We exchanged information and went on our way. I didn't hear from her for quite some time and had lost hope that she would ever send me those hollows. Figured she wasn't able to get permission. And then we lost the Hosnian system and the entire Senate was destroyed along with so many records. But some records survived. Those tucked in a droid's memory banks or deep in a data pad. And one made its way to me, sent with a note that said, I know I promised to get you these a long time ago, but better late than never, love your show. Now I get why you asked to hear for more witness testimonies when you were a student. They're another way to tell a being's story, aren't they? Well, anyway, thought you might enjoy the story of Ignar Bolin. Cheers, Senator Boonmay. Oh, and yes, you do have my permission to share with your listeners. Well, Senator, if you say so. Noria, the sparkling diamond of the rim, a world of countless opportunity, not as overwhelming or suffocating as the core worlds, but rather a world of new chances, new beginnings. On Noria, you can make a name for yourself. As the saying goes, if you find your way there, you can conquer anywhere, and I intended to do just that. That is until my life fell apart. I was born on a small fishing world to two lovely people, and they would have been perfect parents if they had been given the right son for them. But I was not the right son for two people like the Bolins, 
See, the Bolans were simple, content people, happy to spend the rest of their lives on Uri doing the same thing over and over again, day after day. It was dreadfully boring work, and I knew it would not suit me one bit. My father tried to force me to be happy with our simple life, but what can I say? I was built for something more, wanted so much more. I wanted to be rich. I wanted fabulous clothes and more speeders than I could count. I wanted a lavish, successful life, and Uri would never give that to me. My father tried to punish me for wanting greatness, and one day he went too far. So I grabbed the bag I had packed a few weeks earlier and left without looking back. Was on the first transport off-world to Minther Station. Mind you, I had no plan for when I arrived on Minther Station. My father had done a truly stupendous job with my education, limiting my knowledge of the galaxy to the world outside our front door. But I had my ways of slicing into his datapad late at night to learn as much as I could about the other worlds in the galaxy. It was during one of these late-night escapades that I discovered Noria, and she stayed in the back of my mind, always encouraging my ambition. Thus, when I made it to Mintha Station and there was a shuttle heading to Noria, I booked a one-way ticket and climbed aboard. Oh, how I wish you could have seen Noria back in those days. She was electric. She's still gorgeous, yes, but then... She was an absolute dream. So shiny and new. A beacon of light for the hungriest beings in the galaxy, looking to start a new life and take advantage of all the riches she had to offer. And stars, did she have a lot to offer. I knew that much for certain, as soon as our shuttle entered her atmosphere and we soared by the golden Nia city, glimmering at the sea's edge. I had no plan for when I arrived, no clue where I would go or where I would stay. I had barely a credit to my name, but I didn't care. I was smart, would figure it out eventually. All that mattered to me in that moment was that I had made it to Noria and my life was about to change. Something in my face or overall demeanor betrayed my naivete because a woman slid into the empty seat next to mine as we landed on the planet. She was clearly a local, dressed in fine clothes that fit effortlessly with the city beyond the window. She eyed me for a moment before she decided I was worthy of her attention. You're new to Noria, and I'm going to help you, she declared. Who was I to say no? Gorgeous woman who had clearly made a way for herself on this world offered to help me, no strings attached. Well, clearly there were strings attached, but I didn't realize or frankly didn't care what they were at the time. I followed the woman who went by S out of the shuttle, down the platform, and into a luxury speeder waiting on the corner. We quickly zipped through the streets, as pointing out the architecture of Nia City, all the places where famous beings from all across the galaxy had homes, businesses, parties, the lot. The more she told me, the more my very few worries dissolved. As we sped along, S began to explain why she was helping me, said she had a gift for picking out the saddest, sorriest fellow in a crowd and giving him the life he always desired. It was her way of giving back. See, S had been born into the wealthiest family on Noria, the original settlers who built the world into what it is today, and she wanted to see other beings build similar lives for themselves. Well, of course I had no objections, and soon S pulled her speeder into a building overlooking the water. What followed was what S called my reincarnation. She took me up to her apartments, and it was there that she gave me a new wardrobe put me in sleek new robes and draped me in an ornate cloak. Then S took me down to the lower levels, opening the bay door to reveal a collection of the finest speeders I had ever seen, far better than I could have imagined in my dreams. 
Pick one, S said. I stared at her, dumbfounded. She wanted me to pick one of these gorgeous vehicles for my own use? First off, I couldn't comprehend why anyone in their right mind would give a stranger one of their incredibly expensive speeders. But secondly, once I had processed my shock, I had no idea which one I would pick. But one stood out to me, a CA600 luxury speeder. Once on Uri during my late night educations, I had seen one in an advertisement, and I whispered to myself back then that I would own a speeder like that. S stopped beside me and held up the key. It was mine, along with the wardrobe and a job she promised would give me the name I desired to make for myself. All she asked was that when she called, I would answer without hesitation. She could sense there was a good heart in me, one that she could trust without question. As was the trend for that day, I eagerly agreed, to which S responded with a kiss. This was the first day of the rest of my life, and I could not believe how lucky I was. I struck gold, and I wasn't about to waste it any time soon. Life was absolutely spectacular those first few months on Noria. The job S promised me was in her family's company, continuing to build Noria into the powerhouse world it is today. They marketed the world as a core world in a less congested and populated corner of the galaxy. All the glamour with none of the gutter. Noria would not be the world it is today without S's family. The Rentalia family. But becoming the family we all see and know required some less than noble actions better suited for wild space. The Rentalia family are charitable and loyal, yes, but they are also ruthless and ambitious. No one stands in their way, and they will use anyone and everyone to get what they want. And unfortunately, I happen to be the right kind of anyone. In those first months on Noria, S kept in touch, inviting me to lavish parties and charity events her family put on. Quickly, through S's connections, my name became a common one on the tongues of the rich and beautiful of Noria. I relished it, the attention. It fueled my ambition, my dreams to make a name for myself. Oh, how I wished my father could see me. He was wrong about me. I was going to do great things, was already doing great things, far greater than the life of a fisherman on Uri. But this is not a happy ending, or else we would not all be gathered here today in this Senate chamber, now would we? The first time S asked me to kill for her family, I didn't believe her. She came to my home unannounced one lazy afternoon, invited herself right on in. I took offense to that, which she noticed, but responded casually. From a certain point of view, it is my house, darling. And then she made herself right at home in my sitting room. I couldn't quite argue with that. She was right. I wouldn't have this house or frankly this life without her. So I joined her on the sofa. She pecked my cheek before taking a sip of the martini she had poured for herself at the bar. Ignore, my love, I have a bit of a situation. Well, my family does. And we need help making this situation disappear. She went on to explain that her family was being threatened with lies by a powerful enemy. They needed my help eliminating this threat, and I was to invite this man over to my house on prospective business. He would drink from a special glass S would give me, its rim laced with poison, and after he died, her men would dispose of the body. Quick and simple. I protested. It wasn't quick and simple at all. This was murder, and I would have no part in it. I was very thankful for everything her family had done for me and would do whatever I could to help them, but this 
this was too far. S stared back at me calmly. She had clearly been expecting this reaction and knew exactly what to say in response. A threat to her family needed to be eliminated, and she would rather eliminate only one threat, not two. Well, I knew exactly what she was implying, and it was in that moment I realized the cost of my ignorance those few months earlier when I happily followed S to her apartment and let her reincarnate me. I was not free, and the price was greater than I could have ever imagined. But losing it all, and not just all the things in my life, but rather losing my life quite literally, was it worth it? The Rentalia family was powerful, and S assured me they would protect me if I did this for them. But did I even have a choice? It was a matter of life and death, and I chose life. It was the only option. So I had my associates contact this threat, and a week later, he was slumped over my sofa, dead. There were others. We fell into a routine, Ness and me. She'd let herself in and wait in my sitting room on the very same couch I killed her targets. She'd stare me dead in the face, cat-like smile ever-present as she gave me the names of who she needed eliminated. And I did it. The perfect Lapnia dog followed her every order. So many dead in my home. Some nights I lay awake in bed, and it was almost like I could hear them begging for mercy and asking how I could be so cruel, how I could sacrifice my humanity for fame and fortune. I saw my father's face saying I should have stayed on Uri and lived an honest life. I sunk deeper and deeper into a pit of my own making until I couldn't sink anymore, until S asked me to eliminate the Evanelli family, all of them, their children included. I denied her and she laughed in my face. I couldn't say no, she said. I would doom myself, but I didn't care. I had already doomed myself in my loyalty to the Rentalia family. They were going to kill me that night, but I was their plaything, and so they gave me a head start to pack my bags and try and escape the planet, but they hunted me into the city. There was no chance of my escape, and even if I was able to, they'd still find me. They wouldn't stop until I was eliminated. So I did the only thing I thought I could. Turned myself in. The Rentalia family owned most of the security force, but not all the officers had sworn loyalty to them. And thankfully, I knew which one I could go to. Detective Grayler had been working on a case to take down the Rentalia family, but she needed a key witness, and I delivered myself right to her. Which brings us to this day, and the testimony you all have so graciously listened to. My fate is sealed. I'm certain the Rentalias will find a way to kill me no matter how good Detective Grayla's witness protection program is. I know I will die soon. But at least I will die free from their clutches. Free from their control. When I left Uri and landed on Noria, I wanted nothing more than to make a name for myself. I was quite successful in doing that, but at a great cost. Noria will forever be tainted in my memory, a dark stain slashed upon her surface. She's still beautiful, yes, but she was built with blood, and there's not enough white paint in all the galaxy that can cover it. And for the rest of my life, I will regret having had a hand in building her in that way. May the gods have mercy on my soul.
Ignar's story is an old one, from a hundred years ago. His story ended while he was in the witness protection program. He was mysteriously poisoned. They never found the killer, but I suppose Ignar was right. The Rentalias did find a way to silence him. But sharing his testimony wasn't pointless. Ignar did have an effect. S was arrested, her family giving her up as the scapegoat. But a family like the Rentalias, well, they were pretty much untouchable and would always find ways to continue to hold on to their power. Still, had Ignar stayed quiet, who knows what would have happened. I've talked at length about the power of our stories and how they can positively affect another's life, but I've never thought about how our stories can negatively affect someone's life. Because yes, at the end of the day, Ignar's story did have a negative effect on S's life, as it should have. She was brought to justice because of the power of Ignar's story. And if Ignar had stayed quiet, S could have found another sorry, sad fellow in the crowd and manipulate him to do her and her family's bidding. But he spoke up, and maybe he saved a couple lives that day. It takes courage to tell your story, period. Doesn't matter if you're telling it to a room full of senators or if you're telling it to a friend. When you have a story full of pain, of embarrassment, it takes courage to share that with another being, to let them see you at your worst. But it's powerful vulnerability. Ignar's vulnerability helped bring the Rentalia family to justice. Your vulnerability may not do something on the exact same scale, but that doesn't make it any less impactful. Trust me, I know. I have the honor of listening to vulnerability in all different forms. And in each story, I learn something new about myself, but also am challenged to become a better version of myself. And that, that's powerful. So take a chance, be brave, be courageous, and be vulnerable. You never know the amount of good you can do when you simply share your story. The good, the bad, and even the ugly. Thanks for joining me, Lana Slock, your host for another episode of Beings of the Galaxy, a Beyond the Outer Rim Holomag production, bringing you the stories of the everyday people who make up our galaxy far, far away. We'll see you next time.